the Sweer Show. People always ask me about my um, pop culture references, yes? Uh, what influences and everything. And okay, here, here's a list for once and for all. And okay, my pop culture references are movies, mostly B movies, as bad as possible, maybe in black and white, but mostly in color. Music of Barry White, Elvis Presley songs from the 70s, Mojo Nixon, nobody knows him, Reverend Horton Heat, Iron Maiden, yes, Iron Maiden, video games from the 80s. Paris Hilton, drinking martinis, Britney Spears, I love Britney Spears, I believe porn stars, I can't remember, Kurt Russell movies, Leaf and Cleave movies and Burt Reynolds movies, kids don't know about them, I know. What else? Photos of empty streets, the girl next door, the bite into tasty burger, vegan burger because we're all vegetarian for sure, the tickets for the train, a chewing gum sticking on the street. Also, rock and roll, girls, amateurish, bad typography, atom physics, chocolate, Viva Las Vegas, shaved pussies, cocktails, rusty machinery halls, and boredom and disgust with the mainstream. But you know what? None of this matters because you haven't lived my life. You didn't meet the people I met, you didn't face the challenges I faced, and you didn't lose or win my games. What good it is knowing about my inspiration? Nothing. So go out and live your own damn lives. Damn, I'm preaching again. Sorry. Hello, I am Yeah, and this is the Weird Show broadcast, a podcast about art, context, appropriation, paper, artists, ideas, places, Sounds, people, stuff, and sometimes collage. Episode number two, Unleashing the Beast, THS. THS, a.k.a. Thomas Shostak, created in 2001 Beast Magazine, revealing the chaotic power of collage to a new generation of design and illustration geeks that just was discovering internet as a source of inspiration and community building. His work and his curatorial mix was unique. Broken typography, art made with vintage porn, pencil drawings with nasty messages, tons of glitches and errors, silly humor, polaroids, fax and photocopy art, Elvis imagery, boobs, naked ladies, defaced vintage postcards, bad photography that looked amazing, a non-designed design. I love you guys. I listen to you at home, on my way to work, and at work. THS published in Beast his work and the work of like-minded freaks who chose dirty, messy, and naughty over clean and nice. He, along with few others, was responsible for bringing the collage into the digital age. And he, 20 years later, is still championing his unique approach to design, art and typography. THS is a legend. Period. I became a designer, typographer, artist and illustrator. Exact in that order. Um, I became a designer because I wanted to do something uh, creative. 
I became a typographer because I lacked certain typefaces for my work as a designer, so I created my own fonts. I became an artist because my design work sometimes, well, went over the top, if you know what uh, I mean. I wasn't uh, commercial enough anymore, so I decided to create artwork on the site to continue my work as a designer. Unfortunately, I also became an illustrator. I don't like to be an illustrator. And of all activities, I found that this is the most daunting, boring job. It's like a super commercial art without the freedom and the customer says where the journey goes. I always found uh, such jobs quite ungrateful. But for me, when something becomes too commercial, I'm usually not interested in it anymore. Beast Magazine uh, started with the idea of creating a completely free medium that would, above all, inspire people. I wanted to show them that there is more out there than just the boring design and advertising agency garbage that unfortunately still exists today. It should also make it clear that you don't need sponsors, ads, publishers or commercial supporters to create something great and for free. For me it was always about independence. Peace was, in retrospect, what art should be. Independent and, I'm sorry, non-commercial. Without outside interference or questions like what sells and what sells even better. In order to ensure the widest possible distribution, I decided to distribute it in um, PDF form with the PDF files. Um, with the end was also a um, somehow a criticism of the medium of the website and HTML itself, which at that time was pumped full of flash animations. Um, by the way, a format that did not survive. And if you ask yourself, what is flash? Well, Google it. Little hint, it's not that superhero thing. It all started in uh, the year 2000 and it has to be said that WebSpace was in short supply at that time. WebSpace cost a fortune back then and cloud storage was not available. So I distributed each new issue of Beast to different servers, sometimes with friends, sometimes with uh, free services. And it happened very often at that time that uh, the websites were no longer accessible because the monthly uh, traffic was exceeded. And so we had to wait days until the PDFs loaded again. Yes, some um, very exciting times. I was young and I didn't really think much about how Beast should work. 
I asked the few artists I liked uh, if they would like to participate and created the rest of the pages uh, by myself. And I wanted to make only 12 issues from the beginning because I knew that such an undertaking would take a lot of time and there was no rule except racist remarks were not tolerated. But um, pornography was okay. There was no uh, censorship unbelievable and look now it's the other way around in social media pornography must not be shown under any circumstances but racism seems to be no problem hmm. okay beast um, has always been a criticism of the design industry for me some said it was free or that it was neither design or art and for others it actually changed their lives and now this sounds very pointed and but i have received and still received mails from people who became designers or artists because of beast because they were so fascinated by beast i mean for me it, it was always very abstract i just did my thing you know of course i'm i'm happy and touched that beast was of central importance for many people i mean there were only 12 issues one year but I will probably uh, never understand um, the effect it had on people. Uh, lately, um, I think it's 20, around 20 years later, I have looked at all the issues of Beast again and I was a bit afraid that I would be disappointed about the quality. Um, but most of the content of these issues had been very good. These thing, uh, things are uh, still very inspiring. Um, however, I'm a bit shocked by the amount of pornography or rather the representation of women within the magazine. I think about 95% of the pornographic content of Beast is on my account and the representation of the content is probably not up to date with today's moral standards. Uh, you know, we are not talking about erotic images but pornographic representations and, and women and men are not depicted equally but only women are displayed, you know. and. I don't know. As a document of its time, it has its justification, but I would probably no longer design it in the way today. I think the subject of pornography is dead. My style was uh, influenced by analog technologies, fax machines. Anybody else know what they are? But also copiers that make faulty copies or create artifacts when copying. Mm, that was my, oh, that was the technology I grew up with and strongly influenced my style. Analog photography, um, Polaroids uh, was also one of the ways to alienate reality. The results of physical coincidence were further processed in my design, so works of art. A wonderful source material. Well, with today's possibility and technologies which create the perfect copies, so to speak, it is hardly possible to leave anything to chance. For example, 
I hate digital photography because of its clean reproduction and I try to use cheap Chinese lenses to make the image dirty and blurred again. So it's just a question of how to deal with technology, how to take it. And there are several apps that create glitches, but these are just mm, mathematical glitches and the results are predictable. It doesn't feel real. There are of course technology flaws, um, for example in image compression in JPEG, but it's it's hard for me to find a loveable destruction technology here. Fox uh, copy errors can of course still be created even if you don't own one of these machines. But I'm, but I'm afraid that the younger generation lacks the context to do so. If you don't know Fox machines, you won't know their errors and may not appreciate them or understand the context. I think it's difficult to use such glitches and errors because by now any fool can use such apps that generate errors at the push of a button. I've done this before and it doesn't feel good to be one of the millions of people who can always do the same things and create the same things again and again. I think it's the same with the vinyl um, records and mp3. The difference in quality is huge, but the musical content is identical. So it's all a matter of perspective and how you like things. often ask what role imperfection and randomness play in my work. Well, imperfection and randomness are the driving force as an artist. They determine not only the degree of perfection, but uh, well, uh, also the composition. Mm, I hope I don't say something wrong and do other artists wrong, but I believe that visual art is always about the rules of harmony. These are sometimes more and sometimes less pronounced in every art form. And all painting is in which a landscape is um, represented is subject to different harmonies than the paintings in the style of uh, action painting. Um, that should clear, be clear to everyone. Often I copy co-incidental picture elements in my collages in order to let something new develop, which I did not consider before. Mm, I try to choose the elements by coincidence, even if I am aware that there is no such thing as a conscious coincidence. I'm interested in disturbing elements in an artwork. This reminds me of a story. I was once in a gallery that uh, tried to sell an artwork of mine. The gallery was located in an area with a relatively rich people. There was this client, I, I don't know, some rich high society lady who was interested in one of my artworks. Um, the artwork was a big photo of Kelly Bundy. 
Uh, let me explain. Um, it's one of those fictional characters from the series um, Married with Children from, I think, for the 80s or 90s, and um, who was the prototype of a blonde and stupid lower-class girl. So, well, um, the image at all, the artwork at all, was relatively harmless. The, real, uh, the lady uh, really liked this picture and um, she was about to buy it. But there was this photo, only a few centimeters tall, a detail stuck to the side of the canvas. Some photo of some unknown woman in a bikini, I don't know, nothing really exciting. Well, she didn't buy the picture, the artwork, because she didn't like this little imperfect detail and probably wouldn't go down well at her numerous dinner parties with her rich weirdo friends. Um, you might ask yourself, what can we learn from this? Huh? Okay, every choice, no matter how random it seems, is always a subconscious decision. However, the process of um, placement can be created randomly, either by consciously randomly copy and pasting a collage element or even better by using an algorithm that randomly decides to place an element on the canvas. I know it's not what we talk about here but I've experimented with this several times and wrote a simple program for it which at least theoretically relieves me of the work on a part of the composition with really amazing results. I would never have done the placement of the elements like that on my own. Look, we all have the scissors in our heads or a voice in our heads telling us what we better not do because it doesn't work or people don't like it or it doesn't sell very good or whatever. Especially when you're a designer like me. Many years ago I was commissioned to create an illustration for the cover of a printed magazine I don't remember the name of it, but um, the artwork I know was mostly in green color. And the, uh, the editor-in-chief said he liked the illustration very much, but said people out there don't like green. And I should make it blue or red. I mean, fuck off. I should make it blue or red? That's what I mean by the voice in my head. As Artists, we have to question the harmony we've learned, the struggle against the conventions learned or adopted uh, by experience never ends. Imperfection is a great tool to fight against convention and mainstream taste, even if it means you earn less yourself, hmm? just in case money is more important to you. Hmm? I don't know when an artwork is imperfectly perfect. Um, I work it for as long or as short a time as I need until the moment of um, satisfaction is reached. I think that the harmony I describe, which seems to be the center of everything in art, has me under control here. And yeah, damn, I'm just a human being, not a punk.
For a long time, there was this old line of text in my biography um, that says that I define myself as a visual terrorist attacking the rich corporate world. Well, in the course of ongoing real terrorist attacks in our world, this line may seem rather bad, especially with the word uh, terrorist. I would nowadays prefer the description unpleasant artist. A good friend once wrote me this biography and he uh, referred to the fact that in the past of my career I often wasted time and money of, um, for example, advertising agencies which mostly had rich industrial customers as clients. And um, most of the time I developed a design or an illustration um, that did not really match the commercial views of my clients. I would come up with something crazy that they couldn't use at all. So in the end they paid me for my work but didn't get any results that were usable for them. Of course that was a waste of my time and in the years back I don't care about their time, but that's the way visual terrorists work, right? I've elevated it into an art form, I think it's art, so no one can touch me. Hmm? Of course, I wouldn't do something that, like that nowadays, of course. Twinkle Smiley. I'm quite rational about the value of handmade or analog in our digital age. I think that the people out there are giving analog or handmade an even higher value than digitally created art, similar to the revival of vinyl records or analog photography. You know, I can duplicate a digital collage as I like and when I offer it as an art print, let's face it. It never has a value of a single and unique canvas. It lacks a three-dimensionality of collage or painting. We can see for ourselves what value art has in social media. We swipe ourselves through art. Hardly a second passes and we are the next work of art. At the next power outage, your flat screen on the wall remains dark. But the work of art, the canvas on the wall, will always be visible. Let's not fool ourselves and um, I think in, in the next decades our living conditions will change a lot to climate change. Analog art will then perhaps may very become very precious if we can't eat it. It will enrich our lives, won't it? Fascination with the past has always been um, fascination with otherness. 
what I consider normal may be cool in 30 years. But in 30 years, will we be able to enjoy um, the rounded shapes of today's cars and say, hey, that was cool? Uh, I mean, cars were edgy in the 60s or 70s. I mean, they were also rounded shapes at that time. But what we have today is soulless shit that shouldn't be offend to endure maximum sales. That's our culture and I'm not sure where this is going. In the past, I always defined myself between the crossroads of art and graphic design. Uh, the boundaries blurred and I often took elements from art uh, over into design and vice versa. But I've had plenty of time to look at both sides. As a designer, you're given the assignment to create something in a creative process. But it's similar in art. For example, uh, when you are represented by a money-horny gallery owner who tells you what people like to buy and suggests you paint pictures with uh, I don't know, rubber ducks on them that sells well, or paint smaller pictures, or pictures with nicer motifs. Okay, so if you want to see it that way in both areas, you work for a client. That's uh, why I like to say that art shouldn't really cost anything because the demand changes art and the artist. And art quickly becomes decoration. So if we really want to make great art, don't sell art and stay poor. In the last 10 years, the uh, situation in design has changed in my opinion. Mm, before there was a smooth transition from my art to design. And, it now looks like um, customers no longer want to take any risks. But maybe they don't even know what risk means at all. For example, the design of websites has changed radically towards uh, completely interchangeable websites. Even the visual language is identical. It seems that, the only, um, that only the logo and the text of a website can make the difference between a financial service provider and a telephone company. My customers has failed all along the line. But this is also bad for me because the customers demand to let their products be designed as boring as possible, unconsciousness of course, and has drawn clearer boundaries for me as well. So I have to distinguish between art and design because the clarity of the design doesn't match the raw art. A dilemma, I'm fucked. of a collage is and many people see my art as collage which by definition is actually true 
The collage is still the result of an assembly of differing, different forms into something new. But when I look at the analog um, collage of uh, various artists, there's a difference between my work, which is uh, mostly digital in design and result and the work of artists who uh, work purely analog. I see the advantage of digital processing above all in the fact that there are no limits for me, which I unfortunately find in the analog collage. Okay, I wanted to say this for years. And no, this is useless knowledge, but you will love it. And it sounds so good for me. I love the sentence. I really love it. It's my favorite quote. And finally, I have the opportunity to say the following sentence in an audio interview. Many years I had to wait for it. The following quote is from the 90s video game Duke Nukem, which again is a quote from the movie The Army of Darkness. So, hold on. My favorite quote is Hail to the King, baby! This episode was produced, edited, mixed and with blood, sweat and tears by myself, Maximo Tuja, a.k.a. Maxomatic. Thank you so much for hanging in there and see you soon. Bye-bye. Find more at theweirdshow.info.